freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio. This is episode 68, and we are so glad you are here with us today. The theme of our show is Long Arms and the Law. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And our next guest is Frank Madison. Frank. Fred Madison. Did I say that in the last hour? Oh, good. He's sitting right here next to me, so he could he could karate chop me at any second. So <laughs> go ahead and do it, Fred. Please. Fred Madison. <laughs> do it. Fred is the founder of Force Options USA. He's a professional firearms and combatives instructor, as well as a dignitary protection provider and a freelance writer. He's been teaching for thirty years and has over sixteen law enforcement post-course instructor certifications. In addition to firearms training, Mr. Madison has been teaching martial arts for 28 years, thus the karate chop. I, I know he could administer any second now and holds multiple black belts, including seventh degree black belt in Akita. Uh, I'm going to screw that up. You're going to have to say that one. Aikijitsu. Say it again. Aikijitsu. Yeah, that. He's based in Phoenix Metropolitan Eric area and teaches courses across the u.s in europe and in mexico welcome to the show fred oh thank you very much it's a pleasure to be here absolutely fred frank you know whatever (laughs) close enough that's what my wife says close enough okay so the reason that i reached out to you is because i saw on facebook facebook that you're having this new class and you're teaching executive protection. And so I started thinking, so what, what is that really about? Is that that I'm an executive and I want to learn how to protect myself? Is that that I am somebody that wants to be a security officer of some sort? Is it a little bit of both? Who is the ideal candidate for this? Well, actually, it is a little bit of both. Um, primarily, the course is designed for people that want to enter that industry, that want to become protective agents. But I do have a lot of people that essentially want to be their own bodyguards. And the course works quite well for that. In fact, I would estimate that probably 25 to 35 percent of our students are people that just want to learn how to protect themselves. Well, and you know what I also thought of is what an incredible thing. Like if you have a corporate office and you maybe took your your top team members and maybe you took a class like this together. Well, now, doesn't that, isn't that a force multiplier if you have some, some bad guy come busting into your office building? Exponentially so. In fact, I've, I've done that on multiple occasions around the valley here. There are certain companies that see a need. They don't want arm protection per se, but if they have their senior management or the people that are the hardcore, the cornerstones of their business, if they have fundamental protection skills, then it is a force multiplier. So tell us a little bit, well, we'll back up a little bit. Tell us about your company. How, you know, when did it come into being and, and what drove you to want to, to teach this? Well, it's, it's kind of a long, winding story. Uh, my father's in the military, a lifer, 30, 30 years. So that was my background. That's all I knew. For the first 30 years of my life, I was either uh, 
somehow connected to the military in, around, or teaching for the Army. Uh, so my, the base of it is, is that. Uh, coming to the Valley here 20-plus years ago, uh, we, we were teaching the martial arts. I began teaching firearms you know, before that. And I've worked in protection situations before. And the company, the, the demand for the job, the demand for that, for that service grew and grew and grew to the point where it became a major part of our company. So um, I think that the world has, has changed since then. Did you say 20 years ago? Oh, yes. And we're only seeing more and more need, I think, for people to just even have situational awareness in their everyday life. Oh, I agree completely. Uh, 20 plus years ago, I hate to say that it was a simple life because it wasn't, but the complexities of life and the, and the interesting dangers that we face now really do, I believe, they, they require a, an enhanced awareness. I've seen an uptick in demand for our services and services for protection agents across the board, even in Europe, especially in Europe. Um, the threats against, I don't want to just say wealthy people, but people of any means whatsoever, um, they're, they're, for example, I have some clients in Germany that are afraid to go out with jewelry because they're afraid of being robbed and things like this. So as we alluded to before, it's people that want to learn how to protect themselves and increase their awareness. But also, um, I believe the industry has grown to the point where the protection uh, agents themselves, the number of agents are going to be growing as well. Well, and part of what is, I think, different, possibly more complex, um, bringing a little bit more opportunity for for danger into our lives are our electronics so you know not only you know when it's dark outside and we're staring at our smartphone screen if we want to look up and observe our surroundings it takes our eyes longer to adjust just even to the light i don't think people think about that very often if ever and how much we expose of ourselves on our social media you know checking in at the local restaurant Right. Hey, I'm not home right now. Well, I just, you know, <laughs> so much truth to that. And honestly, one thing that I do with clients is I try to teach them about how to protect themselves, because unless you're going to hire somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, eventually you're going to be on your own. Mm. And social media is the, always the greatest is the weakest link by, by far. I'm in Aruba for the week. Hey, we're in Aruba. Mm. OK, well, that tells me that you're not home. Yeah. And two weeks ago, you posted photos of all your lovely jewelry yeah that i'm pretty sure you didn't take to aruba with you exactly and and your firearms collection your your firearms collection (laughs) and i have an entire week to try to liberate that from you so social media can be uh, a huge huge weak link there are in fact there's programs and there are apps and things that i if people feel the need to at least say that they're somewhere there are apps that you can use that will actually set your location to different places mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that's that's for another conversation but if they have to post that they're somewhere then we're going to post that they're home absolutely fred I'm, i'd like to know like if if my organization we have 14 people we wanted to take classes just a basic class how long does that take i mean well it, we offer a spectrum of things generally it's a three-day three-day course um, the reason being is we have three fundamental components. We have movement and escorts, um, firearms, especially being here in Arizona, and then we have the actual execution of a drill or a simulation. Um, in all of our classes, we end up 
tying it all together, we'll actually have the students go out and do a protection project. I have friends, um, neighbors, and past clients, in fact, that will volunteer to be a quote-unquote client for the day. And these folks actually get to practice a protection detail. Here in the Valley, which is really nice because it's a, it's a very large place. We've got great freeways. We make them go to the mall. We, we send uh, the biggest, burliest guys with the smallest, most petite female and send them into Victoria's Secret and just watch them squirm. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but essentially, we can wrap up a good taste of the program in three days. We do have post courses and our master's course is seven days, and then we have our certification course, which is a 14-day program. Uh, but that's, once again, those are for primarily for law enforcement, and I say that not to exclude civilians, mm-hmm. but it's a matter of it's very difficult to get two weeks out of your life. Mm. Right. For sure. So yeah. this class that, that caught my eye, tell us about this. And this is not, you know, I mean, you've got a budget for this, and it's worth it. But, you know, there's a price tag behind this, not only the time, but you've got you to gotta budget some finances. Absolutely. Any course that's um, serious, you have to budget for it. It's just, it's just a plain fact of, fact of life. The nature of this course, as I was alluded to earlier, is a three-day course, and it will be an introduction to executive protection. We'll talk about the history of it, how to do it, and what I mean by how to do it is how to escort a client. We talk about formations. We talk about leaving buildings. How do you go in and out of an elevator? What do you do when your client has to go to the bathroom? Mm. What do you do when you have three male protection agents and a female client and she needs to go to the restroom? Mm -hmm. There are so many things that we just don't think about. We obviously do firearms training because the firearms work that you do with an executive protection situation is very different than you would um, in a normal defensive situation. We talk about combatives. Especially that because more chance of there's a higher probability you have to lay hands on somebody as opposed to ever shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. Very rare you didn't have to pull your gun, but mm-hmm. you may have to lay hands on somebody. And then we actually talk about things like getting in and out of a vehicle. And then, as I said, we will actually practice the detail. You'll get a chance to go out and give your skills a spin. That just sounds like fun. Well, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I know it's serious, but it, it sounds like fun. It's serious. I'm very serious about what I do, but <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. Well, my daughter and my wife follow me around when we go places, and they're all armed. <laughs> and I would like them to be trained a little better because sometimes I think they're sloppy. They won't go into the bathroom with me. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that there's is your where problem. I draw the line. <laughs> there's your problem right there. You got to be willing to stand outside the stall. <laughs> so you uh, you give this class right now. The one that's coming up is going to be taught here in Arizona. That's right. But you do travel. Oh, extensively. Right. And you probably have people come to you. Because, I mean, this is high-level stuff. You're not going to find this just anywhere. Yeah, just like so many other instructors around the country, uh, a vast majority of my students come from out of state or out of country. Or I travel. Probably 75% of my training I do on the road. So I travel across the United States. Uh, We have a division inside of Europe. So we're there um, at least once or twice a year. And then we just started a division in Mexico. I've, I've been working with these guys. They're police officers down there. We've been essentially vetting them and working with them for about seven years. And now we're to the point where we feel comfortable enough where we're going to actually do a little bit more work down there. This is very cool. So maybe somebody out there that is already in the field of of security and wants to enhance what they already know. Maybe there's somebody sitting there going, you know what? I kind of just hate my job right now. (laughs) And this could give me a career change. Give me a whole new skill set, right? 
Or suppose you are an executive and you're thinking, man, if my team could come together and learn these skills, what an incredible uh, team building and safety and security uh, addition that brings to our, our culture. Tell folks how they can find out more about this class. Well, you can find out more about the class by visiting the website. It's forceoptionsusa.com. We have class description. We have essentially everything we have going on is, is on the site. You can obviously find us all over social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you, can, uh, you can reach us directly through the website as well, at forceoptions at cox.net. And we're willing to work with really anybody. Very, very cool. I, I'm excited about it, and it is definitely something that I'd love to check out in the future. And I have zero, uh, you know, background in what was that word? Akia Jitsu. Akia <laughs> Jitsu. <laughs> so she has a background in Akia. Akia. <laughs> <laughs> That's a store that you go shopping in and get lost forever. Uh, but so, what if I have zero background in this stuff? Is Actually, it-, it makes it easier. If it sounds almost cliche to say, but it's absolutely true. A little bit like firearms. There's no, there's no bad, there's no baggage to unpack. There's no bad habits. Um, the, and the combatives we do in, in defense, excuse me, in executive protection is a little bit different. Because we, we don't fight. I don't teach people to fight. There's, in fact, your goal if there's ever a physical confrontation is to get your client away as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So we move to stun and incapacitate and then break contact and move away as quickly as possible. So for those people that have a fighting background where they're used to going toe-to-toe with people for long periods of time. That's not me. It's problematic. Well, Dan and I go toe-to-toe. Only on Wednesdays. Yeah. That, that would be uh, very hard to train somebody that is a combative person. It is. Because you, it's hard to knock that out of them. It is. In fact, we see it in our... Uh, in our band classes, we do some munitions. We do some munition drills. And I've had, where well, I'll play the bad guy. I'll play an assailant, and the executive team will be moving through. Um, an agent, I'll come out and make initial contact, start firing rounds at them. And inevitably, I get somebody who wants to get into a gunfight with me. So they're sitting there. <laughs> we're shooting back and it's forth. It's not Hollywood. Stop well, what it. happens is now their team is one person down. Mm. And as they're, as they're running away, I always have somebody else mm-hmm. along for the party. And then they kill everybody. Nice. They, they simulate you know, using simulations. Or I end up pinning this, this person into a corner. And uh, it can, it's a good learning experience, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, once they realize what's happened, how they've gotten separated from the team, especially when they see the car driving away. Mm-hmm. Because the, the client and the protection agent, the AIC that has the, has the client, they're leaving. If you want to go along with them, you might want to stick with the team. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've seen several people left behind. So the Lone Ranger-minded people yeah. aren't going to do so well. Not so much. I like that. Not so much. That's... It is very much a, a team mentality, even if, it's, even if it's just two people or, honestly, even if it's one person. If it's a one-person project, you still need to stick with the client. Well, Fred, I took a, a small simulation course thing. And I, I thought I was okay with certain things. Yeah. I'm a fool. <laughs> okay? You don't know until you're you know, doing you it, you right? You go through one of those actual, where you're actually responding to certain things. Oh, yes. And you think, yeah, I got this, right? I, I was just so embarrassed that I did. And it's because I didn't have the training. You know, and so everyone should take some type of course. I agree with you 100%. I worked with a group out of Washington, D.C., um, a group of police officers, and they were the protection detail for the mayor. And they came out, and these were some of the most solid, friendly, good cop guys. 
but they had never, in their 20-plus years of being an officer, never done simunitions, never done force-on-force. Wow. These guys, they folded like Superman on laundry day. (laughs) They could not, they went full-on drive-by homie, gun half-cocked, running and shooting. Wow. And they said the same thing. They had, I I had no idea it was going to be like this. That's incredible. It really encourages a calm head, a cool head under fire. Absolutely. Well, we have to wrap up. We have got to bring you back because this is fun. And I want to learn about more of the classes you teach and and that sort of thing. But the one that that we're talking about right now, what are the dates? And tell folks again how they reach out and we got to run. We're on February 3rd and 4th. Uh, It's a Saturday, Sunday class. Excuse me, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a 345. And once again, you can reach me through forceoptionsusa.com. I love it. Thank you so much. My for pleasure. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'll be more radio-esque next time. No, <laughs> you're fantastic. We'd like Fred, to get you on a longer, a longer time, too. Absolutely. Uh, Fred Madison, founder of Force Options USA. All right, stick around. When we come back, we have Michael Bazinet of the NSSF talking to us about how big law is combining with anti-rights groups to... Try, at least, to infringe on your Second Amendment rights. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband and Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. 
Well, I'm so glad you stuck around today, and I think you will be too, because our next guest is someone who works to help kind of keep an eye on what's going on out there where it concerns our Second Amendment rights and uh, actually engages in the arena of protecting our rights. Our, our next guest is Mike Bazinet of the NSSF. Now, that's the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And uh, our theme today is long arms and the law. And when I saw an article recently, now Mike didn't write this, it was in the New York Times, it was titled, Gun Control Advocates Find a Deep-Pocketed Ally in Big Law. It, it just made me want to reach out to Mike and say, what is going on there? And Mike, are you with us? I am, Cheryl. Great to be with you today. Oh, thank you so much for, for coming back on. I, I think we had you on maybe a year or so ago, so welcome back on. Well, thanks. Nice to be with you again. Absolutely. So... This article that I'm talking about, or the the topic it it's talking about, what what is going on with this? I mean, if it's not one thing, it's another. It feels like as far as our Second Amendment, and if they can't if they can't attack it head on, they're going to come in all these little side doors. You're absolutely right about that, Cheryl. Uh, and now with uh, President Elect Trump headed to Washington, and a Congress that is in the hands of uh, both houses, really, where it's impossible to see further gun control legislation being passed, and bills will be introduced, but we won't see anything passed, we're quite sure. Uh, these other avenues are, are what the gun control organizations turn to. Um, but in fact, what we're seeing with these well-heeled law groups uh, basically saying, look, we'll, uh, we'll handle some pro bono cases for you, that's really not all that new. We saw that um, somewhat with the mayor's attempt to go after gun manufacturers a couple decades ago, and that resulted eventually in the passage of the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. So it's one thing to have a press conference mm -hmm. uh, and tell the New York Times pretty much what they want to hear, but it's another thing to go into court and actually argue the law and its merits and try to prevail. So what, in what ways are we anticipating um, these legal attacks? Is this where they're going after the manufacturers? Is this where, you know, the, the bad guy is suing the, the family or the person that they broke into their home and attacked? I mean, what are we looking at? Okay. Well, in this case, what we're looking at is the gun control groups trying to focus attention on a couple of different things. And that article talked about um, bringing cases against manufacturers for what amounts really to the criminal misuse of guns. Now, that is really precluded by the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, but you never know it to hear, for, hear from the politicians, and particularly for the Democratic uh, from the Democratic candidate for president that uh, uh, luckily is not going to be uh, resuming, resuming residence at 1600 Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. But nonetheless, we'll, we hear from, we heard from her, we hear from pro-gun control senators that the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act prevents uh, manufacturers or retailers from being sued uh, and is a protection against any sort of liability, and that's simply not the case. What the law does basically is what it does for several other industries, and that it, it uh, prevents criminal misuse from later becoming uh, the subject of a suit. So that's, that's one avenue. Uh, the second avenue I read about in that article was an attempt to 
uh, overturn what's called the T-Hart Amendment. And that amendment basically was put into place to ensure that any uh, trace data that the ATF would have on a gun used in a crime is only available to law enforcement agencies at any level, local, state, task force, federal. Uh, and there's been a move to, uh, to uh, this has been over several years, to repeal that amendment so that anybody can get access to that trace data. Well, then you would certainly find that that data is going to be used in lawsuits to go against probably primarily retailers for the sale of a firearm that is later used in the commission of a crime. So um, law enforcement can get any information they want, but we know from our own experience that actual investigations are um, compromised and lives are actually put in danger if that trace data is available widely to the public. And certainly you don't want it available to, uh, to plaintiff's lawyers for this purpose. Absolutely. Now, Dan and I own a retail gun store, AZ Firearms. And so when we start hearing this kind of language being just kind of casually tossed around, of course, our ears perk up and our flags, our red flags go up because as a retailer, we don't make a decision to sell or not sell uh, or actually transfer or not transfer any firearm because the federal government holds that responsibility. So you know, if somebody thought that, you know, we as retailers could be sued for selling a gun to somebody who the government told us, yes, you may release that gun, you know, isn't the onus really, doesn't that really fall back on the federal government? It really does. And an attempt to shift the onus to uh, to a retailer, regardless of the product, and let, let's let's consider uh, auto dealers. Mm-hmm. If uh, if a car is later used, e- either purposely to run somebody down or is in an accident, uh, and somebody is is uh, horribly injured, then should the uh, should the auto dealer be subject to suit? I don't think anybody would argue that that's the case. So it really is a politically charged area. Um, but the good news here is that. The uh, Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act has worked, and any of the cases that have been brought for which this federal uh, legislation um, uh, is intended have been thrown out of court or the judge has decided in favor of, uh, of the defendant. So, um, you know, we even have a case very recently in Connecticut with um, a firearms manufacturer being sued and uh, the Superior Court judge through that case out of court. It's now being appealed to the Connecticut Supreme Court, but it, 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 should, um, it should also be thrown out by, it may be heard, but we can't imagine that that's going to be decided in favor of the plaintiff in this case either. Well, and just like you said, if they could find some judge somewhere to say, yes, that a, a firearms manufacturer can be held uh, financially responsible, well, where where does that end? So that sets the precedent, right? That 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 is exactly right. That and and that's why to uh, to bring these cases really is to is to stand American liability tort law on its head. And legal scholars agree with us. Uh, we can often get um, you know good friend of the court briefs filed. Um, so we we often or we sometimes think at least these cases really are brought to. Uh, to cause the industry to have to expend 
funds. Yes, uh, just draining our bank out. accounts. That's true. But, you know, we, we, we have actually a couple of, of positive cases very recently. In the case of Pleasant Hill, California, which decided on its own to enact very strict additional duplicative regulations on federally licensed retailers in that city, uh, we went to court uh, with the retailer, and uh, we actually ended up settling just a couple of weeks ago. And the city, in this case, uh, is going to have to pay all the legal fees for the retailer and for us. So that's $400,000. The sad part of it, of course, is it's at the taxpayer's expense. But we warned going into that suit that that was likely going to be the outcome, uh, and in fact is. Just as the city was about to lose the case, they decided to to settle. They've tried to make it sound like a victory. Mm. But in fact, uh, fact, uh, it was a settlement very much uh, in our favor. Well, and something that I think uh, escapes people in their first blush emotional reaction towards, you know, the, yes, let's hold those evil uh, gun makers or gun sellers liable, is that, you know, it is the misuse of the tool that has has caused the problem, right? And so if somebody does, going back to the car uh, example, if somebody does, just like this guy on the Ohio State University campus, he misused his car to drive it onto the sidewalk and injure people, and then he He misused the butcher knife that, you know, is a kitchen tool uh, Mm -hmm. to help make dinner with to uh, injure innocent people students on campus so it wasn't the intended use for either of those items and and i did not unless i've missed the articles i did not hear any outcry that uh we need to start holding um the manufacturers of either of those items uh in any way liable or tighten up the laws against you know being able to operate a gun or a knife i mean i'm sorry a car or a knife am i correct in those things you're right, yeah, and you're not going to see those kinds of suits because they sound absurd on their face, but you put your finger on it, Cheryl, and that becomes an emotional issue, and people feel that they can get behind it. It's also a crutch, frankly, for politicians who um, have cities with very serious crime problems, and to get at the, the causes of crime and reducing crime is extremely difficult. So what sounds good for perhaps the liberal media covering City Hall and to at least a block of constituents while going after the, the gun manufacturers. Uh, so that, that's, that's what we see. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, almost, uh, it's almost harassment. Uh, we do have laws on the books, as we've been discussing, that, that will, uh, will protect us. But it's, uh, it's always a battle, and uh, it's going to remain a politically charged uh, atmosphere, even if things are safer in Washington for us than we thought might have been the case. We still have the courts. We still have certain states where, uh, where bills are going to be introduced that are, that are quite uh, detrimental to Second Amendment rights and also to the protection of lawful commerce in firearms, which, of course, underpins our ability to even exercise our Second Amendment. So our, as you hinted at earlier, our job here at the National Shooting Sports Foundation is to protect the lawful commerce in firearms and thereby uh, help secure Second Amendment right for Americans. So that's our particular uh, channel of operation. Michael, I want to welcome you to the show. This is Dan. And hey, Dan. A lot, hi. A lot of the uh, listeners are confused. I mean, they think, okay, Trump got elected. We have the majority of the House and Senate. Things are okay, but really they're not okay. And that's why 
we need to encourage our listeners, especially those who hold FFLs, to join the NSF because you guys are taking taking care of business, right? That's our job. Um, you know, we, we certainly are supportive of, most of us are members of the NRA and some of the other uh, Second Amendment rights groups, but our particular charge is to promote, uh, protect, and preserve hunting and the shooting sports and especially to protect the lawful commerce and firearms. So we, our job really uh, is on the retailer side of the, uh, of the sales counter, and the Second Amendment groups pretty much take over from the consumer side. Obviously, there's overlap, uh, right. and we will sometimes be on suits together. Yes. But for the most part, we do have that, uh, that particular focus. It does make us different, and um, it, uh, it requires... Uh, uh, a good deal of uh, of work on our part here. We're glad to do it. We have a great membership across the country. They're very supportive of us, and uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to go to work uh, in their defense every day. Well, I, I just can't imagine that dealer in California that had to go through the fight that you helped support. Uh, what would have happened if you guys weren't his back, weren't at his back? Well, there have been cases. I mean, there was one retailer left in, San, in the city of San Francisco uh, which went ahead and did pass uh, extremely strict laws, which unfortunately we could not get overturned, and that dealer did eventually have to close his doors. Now, at, in the final days, his, uh, his clientele is pretty much law enforcement, which makes it even more ironic and ridiculous, but uh, that, that does happen in certain jurisdictions. Others are, are safer, but we do have to keep our eye on the regulatory agencies uh, we do have to keep our eye on the state capitals and uh, and on the courts, as we've been discussing. Right, but I just want to make sure our listeners know that if you're an FFL holder, you need to join the NSSF because they will help you with the problems that we're having in the industry. Well, and not even just the the help if there's a problem. Uh, you guys send, and you're you're so good about it. You you don't overload my my email inbox, and I appreciate that so much. <laughs> I think I get two communications from you a month. One is government relations, and the other is about you know maybe what's going on in the retail market. And mm-hmm. the government relations email is so valuable to us um, as retailers, but also, you know, in formulating ideas for the show and and keeping kind of our finger on the pulse of what is going on out there. Because, I mean, what's the other big news story right now? Fake news, right? <laughs> it's like, right. Oh, yeah, so for sure. what, I don't even know what to believe or who to believe anymore. And so, you know, if I have a, a, another source of of information and it's a source that I trust that you guys have have vetted kind of you know what's going on out there it, it definitely helps me not sound like I've got my tinfoil hat on when I get behind this microphone <laughs> well we do try to to screen the news and provide reliable news to our members and frankly a lot of information is available to the general public as well if you go to our website under government relations there's a entire page of fact sheets on various subjects we talked shortly about briefly about the tracing today. For example, firearms tracing. We have a uh, we have a fact sheet on that. We have a fact sheet on almost any aspect of uh, controversial issues with regard to government and the public, uh, modern sporting rifles, anything you can really imagine, uh, lead uh, ammunition, traditional ammunition, anything of that sort that comes up that you hear uh, our, the people that are in industry here and they know that something isn't quite right. Uh, well, you can come to our website. You can certainly download those fact sheets, and uh, you'll find a lot of good information there. They're all sourced, footnoted, and uh, as you 
pointed out, we try to uh, uh, once a week also send out our government relations update to let people know what's current in the news. Uh, and then retailers also have a uh, have their own e-newsletter as well. So there's a, a variety of resources for our members, and, and we're happy to provide them. Well, Michael, you have some kind of special event coming in January, don't you? <laughs> just a little oh, thing. Oh, it's just a small. <laughs> a little <laughs> a soiree. Yep, it's called the SHOT Show, which stands for Shooting, Hunting, and the Outdoor Trade. It is the largest show of its type in the world. Uh, it is the fifth largest trade show in Las Vegas, and uh, it is occurring in January for members of the industry only. That's an important thing to add. It gives you, as retailers, the opportunity to see what the manufacturers and distributors have to offer. Uh, and it's a great opportunity to, to, uh, uh, to stay in touch with colleagues and to recharge your batteries at the start of the, of the new year. Uh, and we, we're certainly expecting a very good year from a business standpoint. But well, I'm excited the about going there. I'm excited about going there. I mean, I go every year. It's, it's awesome. I learn so much. Get to meet a lot of nice people. And for our gun side, you know, we have azfirearms.com. Um, just the new product, all the information that's out there, it's, it's awesome. And then mid-year. It is pretty awesome. Mid-year, you guys have what's called the Summit. And I've only gone the last two years, and I found myself saying, where have I been? Why have I been missing this? <laughs> because that is a much smaller, more intimate uh, kind of a, a setting where you bring speakers together and industry people together. And we really have a chance to form relationships and get to know each other. And so do you have the information on, on when and where that is? You know, I don't have that at my, uh, my fingertips right now. What we generally try to do, Cheryl, is get through the SHOT Show, which everybody is so focused on it's so early in the year. And after that, we start communicating about uh, the annual industry summit. But as you say, it's a smaller event. We really focus on not so much products, but on uh, which the SHOT Show is all about, but on um, techniques, uh, what's, what will help you as a retailer. Uh, we have folks from... Uh, all aspects of shooting, hunting, and outdoor trade come. And it's, it really is a, um, it's a great opportunity to share ideas. And you're being a little modest because you were one of our presenters at our last industry summit, and we very much participated, uh, very much uh, appreciated your insights. Well, I, I so appreciated being asked. It was such an honor, and it's just an incredible um, opportunity to connect with other people from around the country. And I did look it up because I know I, I kind of hit you sideways with that one but i see that it's in austin texas and it's over june 5th through 7th and is that one um you know industry specific do you have to you know have the business license and everything like you, you do to go to shot show you have to have um some relationship with shooting hunting uh, conservation uh, so we do have a lot of state conservation agencies to send people for example which is really the traditional um base for the original industry summit uh, because we do so much to support uh, hunting across the country to try to promote and uh, and protect that great american tradition so we have uh, retailers manufacturers that, that participate uh, folks from various agencies um, some of the gr other groups that are involved in uh, in promoting uh, the second amendment uh, and firearms causes, so uh, it it really is a good good meeting in the minds, and it's uh, it's a lot more relaxed than the shot show where we're we're always rushing around trying to see everything that's on that uh, show floor with its 13 miles worth of uh, aisles. Absolutely. Well, even the shot show, though, I mean, I took classes in 
manufacturing with the BATF was there to explain to us oh, sure. the process. It's super valuable. Uh, how to do the 4473s, this, everything you could ever imagine in the industry, they're there. So even if you're like an at-home FFL, which I know there's fewer and fewer of those uh, out there across the country, this is definitely the place to be. And if you go to one event all year, I, I think the SHOT Show should be it. Mike's probably going to agree with me. <laughs> I am going to agree with you. And in fact, about 2,500 members of the media agree with you. Uh-huh. Now, those are folks generally who, are, who work for the, uh, uh, the websites and the publications that cover firearms and the retailing of firearms and so forth. But they're also, again, any other hunting titles or uh, guns and ammo, field and stream, they're, they're all there. And then a small number of the, uh, of the general media are in as well because there's so much interest. Uh, we generally say no to uh, unless uh, the media representatives have, has shown that they can do a good job, a fair job of covering our industry. Mm-hmm. But as a pressure release valve, we have to make sure that the almost on the pool basis that the Associated Press is there, which is that's pretty straightforward reporting. Mm-hmm. And a couple others as well. Be, but we say no to a, a lot of news organizations that want to get in. And this is, after all, the show that's for and by the industry. So we want our industry participants to feel comfortable there, not have to worry about a camera over their shoulder. Or if it is a camera, it's probably somebody who is a, uh, a gun site blogger who knows quite a, a lot about firearms anyway. So it's going to be somebody who is, is knowledgeable. So we won't have people like Moms Demand Action there or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we hear uh, often that they're going to show up and protest. However, this is Las Vegas. They're used to dealing with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They generally will, will not come in contact with participants if they're there at all. Yeah, we've so. never had a well, problem. So. Has the, Michael, has the attendance bigger or every year, or is it slowing down? What's it doing with the show? It, it is uh, it's in excess of 60,000 participants. All members of the industry, uh, every year it was the, the highest in 2014. 2015 was off a little bit, but not a lot. And we expect our numbers to be quite comparable uh, this year as well. Very exciting. Well, thank you again so much for, for coming on and chatting with us. And I love how Danny said earlier that the NSSF is taking care of business because literally you are. You're taking care of the, the firearms industry businesses by being kind of that watchdog and and getting involved in helping to protect our constitutional rights. And we just really appreciate everything that the NSSF does. Well, thank you, Cheryl. That's very kind of you. And it's it's always great to talk with you on your show. Absolutely. Thank you again, Mike Bazinet of the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, stick around because on the other side of this commercial, we have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Hi, folks. I'm Don Carter. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. AZFirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. 
And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are in our final segment of today's show where we have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Well, why do I love this segment? I don't know, Cheryl. Why? I love this segment because, I, actually, I hate that you don't get to hear these stories on the, the mainstream media, the national news uh, outlets, but I love that we have an opportunity to bring them to people's minds because responsibly armed citizens use guns 2.5 million times a year for self-defense and 200,000 times a year a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never do hear these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. So as we were talking with one of our guests earlier, Fred Madison of Force Options USA, about you know how we've complicated our lives through something that is supposed to make our lives you know maybe a little easier and more convenient. So how careful are you on social media? Are you fond of checking in at the local restaurant when you go out to eat? Do you post pictures in real time, letting your friends and family know that you're on vacation? Which is fun, but it also tells people that your home is empty and unattended. And when you post such things, are you careful about who can see those posts? What are your privacy settings on your Facebook page, your Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, any of those? I ask this because one family in Ohio was recently the victim of a break-in, and it happened to be on a Friday night in the month of December. Now, Danger may or may not have had access to the family members' social media postings, and Danger may have just made a calculated estimate that, well, it's the holiday season, it's a Friday night, and likely the house would be empty while the family was out celebrating or gift shopping. Danger also likely calculated 
that there would be some of those newly purchased gifts lying about in the home that he chose to rob. And Danger further still may have known that this family might have a safe full of firearms, which is what he was attempting to open when the family returned and then promptly held him at the end of a loaded shotgun until the authorities could come and escort Danger to a more fitting place like the local jail. This story ended peacefully and without physical harm coming to anyone, but it could have ended in many different ways, including Danger physically attacking any one of the family members if it hadn't been for the homeowner being a responsibly armed citizen. Burglar picked the wrong family to mess with. The Miami County intruder is in jail tonight after a family fought back. It happened Friday night on North Range Line Road outside of Covington. Deputies say the family got home from dinner and found the suspect trying to steal weapons. The homeowner fought the intruder and held him at gunpoint until officers got there. Robert Mullahan Jr. was arrested. He's now in the Miami County Jail facing aggravated burglary charges. Police are searching for others who might be connected to the crime. Well, you know, Cheryl, everybody wants something for Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy is going to get three meals and a place to stay for a few days. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Well, I, I want to get to your uh, commentary, so I won't take long to, to comment on this. But uh, it says in the written version of this story that the, the homeowner uh, was, you know, of a certain age. And so, likely, the, the children were, you know, teenagers and younger. And that the son was the one that retrieved the shotgun, loaded it. And handed it to his father, who held the man at at bay until Wait the police minute. arrived. That sounds too responsible to me. Right. So this how could person, they be so responsible that you have a kid that's able to learn how to pick up a shotgun, load it, and then be responsible enough to give it to his dad? I know. What? That's this. You sure that happened in Ohio? Gun education, firearms oh. safety training, <laughs> at early ages. I, I mean, it paid off in dividends to this family. It might do some good for your family as well don't know if it paid off in dividends to the burglar though that's true that's true okay now it is time for dan's commentary um. tell yourself you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows it's a very mean and nasty place and i don't care how tough you are it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it I got this article from A.W.R. Hawkins from uh, Breitbart uh, News. Mom, Mom's demand founder, we're not anti-gun, but we oppose law-abiding citizens caring nationally. That's two different whole topics right there. What do you mean, Mom's demanding founder, we're not anti-gun? How, how are they not anti-gun if they're opposing law-abiding citizens caring nationally. Well, what happened was she's expressing her group's opposition to the national, I can't say that word. Reciprocity. Reciprocity for concealed carry legislation that Representative Richard Hudson of North Carolina plans to introduce once Trump is inaugurated. So what he's wanting to do is say, if you have a concealed carry permit in your state that you reside in, that any state that has a concealed carry permit you will be able to go into that state and 
and use it as though if you're home. In other words, what they're saying is we're going to treat you like an adult. Shocking, huh? Shocking. So yep. can you get a concealed carry license without having it going through a background check? Um, no, you cannot. But she's saying that, that they do. And they're saying that this, is, this would cause more guns to travel like to New York and things where it's against the law to have a gun. And I just, I ju- I'm just really upset about this because, first of all, she's not really understanding what's going on. But I can't, I'm, I'm stuck on the, we're not anti-gun. Right. So she she is against uh, or actually she's saying she doesn't believe in the effectiveness of background checks because otherwise she would say, okay, if you're a concealed carry holder, you've been through a background check. So, you know, she's not trusting background checks. Then she's saying we're not anti-gun. However, she is making it about the gun, because if you've gone through the training if you've gone through the background check, then it should be about the person who is well-trained, safe, responsible. Not the gun. Not the gun. Not having anything to do with which what, whatever tool they pick up to protect themselves with. And so just by following that logic train, does it not make her anti-gun? Well, again, she said, moms, uh, that we're not anti-gun. But uh, she's also against allowing teachers and students to be armed for self-defense on campus carry and make clear that the group opposes letting child care workers have a gun at the ready in the daycare in case trouble strikes. So maybe she's saying, I'm not anti-gun, I'm anti-self-defense. You're not allowed to defend yourself. Well, why don't we get to the fact? In fact, here's the deal. What, what James? You what? What? Okay. <laughs> James is saying, what we need to tell uh, this um, Shining Watts, why don't you just say, Moms to Man founder, we are anti-gun and we oppose law-abiding citizens caring nationally. <laughs> Thank you, James. There you go. You're sticking James Brown on Shannon Watts. We'll see how that one goes. <laughs> All right. Well, and just even, you know, we oppose law-abiding citizens doing anything. What, what, if you're law-abiding, you're law-abiding. So why would your rights be instructed to do anything? How you know, far we're do you think? We're afraid you're going to speed, so we're not going to let you own a car. How far do you think you can get if you say we're, a, we're anti-gun, we believe in anti-gun registration, all this other crap? How far you they said get crap on how the far, radio? Well, because it is. How far <laughs> can they get? Okay, so they they have to cover it. Oh, we love children. Mm-hmm. It's it, for the it's children. not about the guns. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. So that's it's an interesting article, and uh, I I definitely recommend you reading it over. And when you really start, you know, engaging your mind and you're looking for the logical argument and following the, the logic trains, you'll just see how fast it jumps the tracks over and over and over again. And it's an emotionally laced argument. And um, I just, you know, even though the voters have basically said we value the Constitution and we're seeing it l- every way you possibly can that that nobody, I guess you can't say nobody, 
that fewer people are buying into this anti-rights message than than understand and value their constitutional rights. I I guess Bloomberg and his people are just going to keep pumping money into this message. So you know they are. God and bless them. I want to read that bless title. Their little hearts. I want to read that title one more time. Moms Demand Founder. We're not anti-gun, but we oppose law-abiding law-abiding citizens carrying it nationally. And I and I look at that and say, this is so baloney. I wonder if she's even a mom. <laughs> I mean, mm, we don't inquiring because, minds. Well, I didn't have a chance to look it up to find out. But the thing is that if this is what she's saying, how do we even know she's a mom? You raise a very good question. She probably is. Probably but not anyway, it's not important. But <laughs> I just I just wonder. We have got to wrap up. Thank you again so much for. Uh, joining us, uh, whether you're listening to us live on Saturdays when we air from 1 to 3 p.m. Um, Arizona time. I have to say Arizona time because half the year we align with Pacific and half the year we align with Mountain. Uh, right now we're with Mountain. And uh, I think, am I right? I don't know, but Frank, <laughs> a guy named Frank from Germany mm-hmm. asked me to say hi. So hi, Frank. I love it. Okay. And we are we are worldwide. So we appreciate all of our listeners whenever you catch our show. And, and uh, you know, it's okay to binge listen. So if you just want to put us on the, the iTunes replay and just blast through all 68 episodes of our show, we are okay with that. Every time you say 68, it makes me think I'm older. You know, Cheryl? <laughs> I can't think of in years. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you're only 61 in years. So only. You know. <laughs> And thank you to our tech crew, Blade. Thank you so much for all of the work you do over there, keeping our keeping us on time, keeping our guests lined up and, and connecting with them on the phone and Skype. It's fantastic. Thank you to all of our guests. We appreciate you so much. And keep the conversation going. You know, email us at talk at gunfreedomradio.com. Reach out to us on Facebook page because we are listening. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? Even the, how about the majority? I know you want to pray for the majority. We got to pray for all of them, even the ones we, especially the ones we don't like. A majority is a lot. And be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.